Welcome to the Rainbow Room. Our podcast about writing, representation, and gay stuff. This is Red, White, and Royal Blue Part 1, an interview with author Aaron Aceves. Hey everyone, I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. And today we have a really exciting special guest, Aaron Aceves! Woo! Hello, how are you? Uh, we are great. So I'm extremely excited to have you, Aaron. This is really cool. So Aaron can actually talk the talk because not only has he written gay stories, he has one that is going to, it's accepted for publication. This is Why They Hate Us, which is coming out sometime. August 23rd. <laughs> August 23rd. It's kind of a running bit that they uh, keep pushing back his release date. Yeah, a lot of my a lot of my TikToks have to deal with that whole thing. And one of the really cool things about this is Aaron and I have only met through TikTok. So I saw one of his TikToks and he was giving this great point about straight people writing queer stories. And I was like, I have to have you on the podcast. And he has an amazing TikTok. You should check him out. What's your at name? So it's Aaron H. Aceves, A-A-R-O-N-H-A-C-E-V-E-S. Yeah, check out his TikTok because it, it's a great source of entertainment. And that's, so I'm kind of geeking out that I'm here with you right now. This is really cool. Like you... You're so accomplished, and and I'm very curious to hear all your thoughts on your journey and also this book specifically. Today, we're going to be talking about Red, White, and Royal Blue, which I'm really excited to talk about. But I'm also really excited to talk to you, Aaron. So your book that's coming out, This Is Why They Hate Us, what would you be willing to share with us, or what can you tell us about it? <laughs> so it's not like a huge secret, <laughs> like what it's about. <laughs> it is public online, but um, it's about a bisexual Mexican-American kid growing up in East LA. He's in with his best friend Salim, but doesn't know if he's straight or queer or whatever. And he also just doesn't want to ruin the, the friendship because they're very close. Uh, so he sort of decides summer after junior year, he's going to try a bunch of other dudes to try and get over his crush on his best friend. And it, and it works perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> The emotional connection just disappears, and he's so smart for thinking of doing that. Absolutely nothing goes wrong. There is no struggle whatsoever in the book. Absolutely zero hygiene. It's a flawless approach. He's he's a, a visionary. (laughs) <laughs> well, no need to buy the book. You know how it ends now. Um, wait, wait, hold up that cover for us again. There you go. Uh, so he's holding up a, a like a special pre-copy that he has. It's beautiful. This purple cover. It features a racially ambiguous guy sitting. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of like. He doesn't look. Well, I mean, I guess there's no one way to look Mexican, but you know, like when I first saw it, I kind of was like, that's not who I was picturing, but that's fine. Uh, what I really, <laughs> I do love though, it's that. Um, I would say it's a subtly bisexual cover, but I'm I'm joking because it's incredibly bi. It's the <laughs> colors of the bi flag or the pink to the blue to the purple. It's like it's not at all subtle. So is this the cover for the actual book or is this just like advanced reader special advanced reader copy cover? So the the art is the same, but I did have them we we changed the blurb on the cover because the book They Both Die at the End is written by this really cool queer Latino author named Adam Silvera. It's really big on TikTok. Um, and so he blurbed it. So we and he's a hero of mine. Like he has been for a long time, and he blurbed it and said some really nice things about it. So he put his quote Blurb, blurbed it. What's that mean? Oh, that's when you know when you look at a book on the front and it's like, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll read from Red, White, and Royal Blue. One of the blurbs: Red, White, and Royal Blue is outrageously fun. It is romantic, sexy, witty, and thrilling. I loved every second. 
Taylor Jenkins Reid, New York Times bestselling author of Daisy Jones and the Six. Like, so it's, it's like those, they're called blurbs and you have to send a copy out, a, an early copy of your book to your sometimes like hero and be like, if you like it, well, if you want to read it, please do. And if you like it, will you say nice things about it? So Wait, that is so cool. So you sent a copy of your book to this author that you really respect and were like, well, I hope you like it. And then he... He did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be really funny if he blurbed it and he was like, it was okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Meh. <laughs> yeah. He's like, mm, there are worse ways to spend a... Uh, your time uh but yeah so we have his quote on the on, on the cover and then we moved my name but it that's the same art though with the, the two kids almost holding hands that's mm. amazing so what was your reaction when you like got that blurb how'd you even get it like through the email through the mail walk me through that well so the thing is like i am not very subtle in anything i do so I love that. That is, yeah. yeah, that's my brand. But like, I go to, I, for a while, I was, before I had an agent, I was a huge fan of his. And then when I got an agent, I went to one of his launch events, you know, it was like at a Barnes Noble. He was there with Becky Albertelli. Um, oh my God. That's so yeah, cool. They were releasing What If It's Us, the book they wrote together. And I went and I was just like, hey, like, I'm fellow queer Latino author. Like, you know, I have an agent. And, and then he was just like, he was supportive. Becky was supportive. And then the oh. next time I saw him, he kind of remembered me. And I'm like, we're on submission now so it's like i saw him i saw him at a launch event like every step of my process of getting published and then eventually we followed each well he i had over, already followed him obviously but he followed me on social media and then at one point i just dm him and i'm like hey would you blurb the book and he actually was like because he's so he's so busy he has so many projects going on constantly like tv shows and books and all this stuff and i was like can you do it and he was like what's the deadline and i told him and he was like no i like i have a book due just before mm. that blah 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 but then one of the good things about my book being delayed is that mm. you know is is that I I was able to say, hey, it's actually not this date anymore. Can you get it done? And he was like, let me try. And then I remember the first email I got where like I had a good feeling. You know, he emailed me and he was like, I'm really enjoying this. And I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> so I'm like, he's probably gonna do it. Uh, and then he did. So it was just, I, yeah, just amazing. That, you know. Do you have the quote? What did he say? What was his blurb? Let me. <laughs> and, and what's sorry? What's this author's name again? Adam Silvera. He's been, like, if you just go on TikTok, people are like <laughs> constantly talking about. They both died at the end. Great book. Love that book. So the the truncated version that they put on the cover, it says, "Legit instant love." This remarkable debut is told in an unfiltered voice that's hilariously chaotic and profound. That's incredible. Amazing. Congratulations. Oh my goodness. Thank you. He's a sweetheart. Yeah. And and it is cool because you are we haven't mentioned this, but you are bi, right? Yeah. And so that's really awesome that you are able to tell like this authentic story. Um did, did you put a lot of yourself in the book? I I always say this thing about anything I write, which is that it's always autobi like it's emotionally autobiographical, but not necessarily plot wise. You know, so when I was seventeen I was not um <laughs> boys over to my house to see if they'll make out with me um i was you know highly closeted but all, like his feelings about there's a there's a lot of um you know it, it's, it's kind of a, a teen raunchy comedy uh but there's also just like mental health stuff too because i struggle a lot with that mm. and so he has you know anxiety and depression and so a lot of that is is very true to to who i am um but again like it's it's all those i get to all those emotions using different plot points like my, my life is not that <laughs> 
Uh, that's incredible. And just like, also congrats to you for like that journey, because there are so many people who go their entire lives. My mom's a children's book author. So I know that there's like people that go their entire lives wanting to publish something and never get published. So the fact that you're getting published already is amazing. And like just your hustle. I also read some of your short stories. Beautiful. Oh. Like I profound respect for what you're doing. Thank you. That means a lot. That's so sweet. I could ask you questions all day. Eric, do you want to ask him any other questions before I ask my special question? I mean, I just want to, I like what you said about the like emotional point of view in regards to your writing. I read your short story Campus and I felt like through that short story, just like the voice you take on within your writing, I feel like I'm getting a good sense. Like I'm getting a sense of like, how you carry yourself through the world. And it's very, I don't know, I really enjoyed that one. And it was very eloquent. And it came to me at the right time because I'm thinking, I just think about like the idea of like queer relationships involved with people. And so like when I picked up that story, I was like, whoa, like he read my mind when he wrote this story. It's very well, very well written. And I'm excited to read your book. Can't wait. Thank you. Um, you know, it's 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 funny because like Andrew in your in your TikTok bio, you're like mm-hmm. you're 30 but 22 in gay years, and you're saying how on our TikTok live you were like, oh, it's because our milestones are sort of delayed as queer people because we don't get to do stuff early enough because of bigotry, right? Uh, <laughs> and so the funny thing about like this is why they hate us. It's a 17 year old kid, but he's dealing with stuff that you know I wrote it when I was 24, so I made it 17 because I feel like it wouldn't have been believable. If if I had written a 24 year old who is that sort of relationship wise was that underdeveloped mm. um, and not, you know, just compared to like straight people. Mm-hmm. That's so funny. And, and it's almost like you're making your, your stories more palatable to a straight audience in terms of like something that they might be able to see as more believable, even though your gut instinct was the age you set it at. But it also doesn't seem like you sacrifice like really anything important about the story too much. Yeah. I just, um, it's also, there's a lot more you sort of have to explain when you're later on in life. Like you have to explain like, like if you're in grad school, it's sort of like, well, have you ever worked a job before? Have you ever like, like people start asking questions in their head as they're reading. Mm. Um, and it's a lot easier to just be like, this kid's in college. You get what that's like. Um, he has classes. Like that's all his life is. And then he's dating this guy on the side versus like, I don't know. I just, yeah. It just having to flesh out a whole like universe of like other stuff. Yeah. That's not unrelated to the story that you want to tell. Yeah. Um, um, would you say you're primarily a YA writer or are you like not trying to like put yourself into that one space? Yeah. I mean, I just, I always make this joke about everything. I'm like, the answer is always both or all, you know, mm-hmm. so it's like <laughs> I'm bisexual. So it's like, not just, I'm not just, gonna, <laughs> you know, date dudes. It's like other people too. And with, with writing, I write young adult novels, but I write what I call queer depressing short stories for adults. <laughs> <laughs> and they both satisfy me in different ways. Cause I, you know, like if I read my book when I was 17, like the impact it would have had on my life would have been incredible. And I just, I'm really excited to sort of be able to do that for kids who aren't me, who are currently, you know, 17. Uh, but with my queer depressing short stories, I get to deal with sort of my real life and my real sort of reactions to things um there's a story i wrote called what remains and that's all about i mean i change things because it's fiction um but it's all about this one time i was really depressed uh for a semester in grad school and i just kind of became obsessed with one of my classmates and he wasn't like he was cute Mm -hmm. smart but there wasn't anything like super unique about him that i loved but because i was depressed he was my only source of like excitement in life 
And so I wrote this story about being obsessed with him and it's parsing apart in a more mature way of, of my, my need for validation and, and my obsession with people who will give my life meaning. Uh, so like I kind of need both to sort of express all of myself, I guess. That's amazing. That's, do you think, do you find it therapeutic, like um, writing it? Yeah. Uh, once I sort of have, well, while I'm writing, it's kind of this anxiety because I want to finish it and I want the words to be perfect. But once it's finished, it's this relief and it's like, now I have something beautiful for my pain. You know, like it's, but that's what stuff that I think isn't too traumatic. The really, really, really traumatic stuff in my life, I can't actually write about. And it's, you know, I just talk about that with my therapist or, you know, my friends or whatever. On a podcast. No, I'm joking. <laughs> so the, um, no, but the things I write, it's like the things that feel, that like occupy my mind mind that feel very dramatic but actually aren't and it's just the stuff that i'm thinking about yeah that's really cool it sounds pretty healthy a lot of writers are like oh writing is my therapy and i'm like it's cathartic but you also need therapy <laughs> well you can't substitute therapy with writing like you just you can't do that. please oh go to therapy please go to therapy <laughs> please tell that to the stand-up comics i meet <laughs> Uh, okay, enough simping, Aaron. <laughs> What's the gayest thing you've done this week? Or I guess for you, most bisexual thing you've done this week. Don't erase. Don't erase. Um, I... <laughs> oh, God. Um, I'm going to choose the chaste one because we're trying to keep this PG-13. <laughs> uh, but I went on a... Oh, oh my God. I'm, I'm like blushing. But anyway... Uh, <gasps> No. Podcast people, I'm blushing. I went on a tea date with, uh, so, so I was in Philly this past weekend for AWP, which is the writers conference, you know, that a lot of people go to. That's where I got COVID. Uh, so that's, I don't usually come <laughs> easily. Um, so, so I do have COVID currently for the second. Time. Uh, but I went to Philly and there's this guy there who I met actually a long time ago. We matched on Tinder on one of my vacations in Philly and we've just kept in contact and, uh, <laughs> giving way too much. Anyway, he and I met up and we went to this tea place that he really liked and it, it was it was very gay it was very cute he's very cute and it was uh it was it was a good time um and I guess the bisexual thing about that is like I'm not fully over a woman that <laughs> like I mm. recently stopped talking to so it was it was like this thing of like feeling it was a Taylor Swift song it was kind of like I'm a huge fan but like it shows she has that song begin again and it's about how like you're sort of coming off a breakup and you're you're thinking about like how much you love them and how much you miss them and then this new person is kind of showing you the possibilities so that was that was it wow that's amazing it's also the first time that anyone's answered that question with a date which is kind of sad that it's taken this long to get to that but that's really sweet i love that that's that's really really cute i'm i'm, I'm glad to be the first <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm due for a good old date i've never been on a tea date you guys just like drink tea yeah, it was like um, they came by with this really like cute teapot and they set it on like a this sort of apparatus where there's a candle in it to keep it warm. And they like and then oh, this is gay. It was very gay. And then, <laughs> and well, the cute thing, too, is like, you know, you I would like fill his cup sometimes. And he would fill mine and it was like, oh, stop. Okay, I'm blushing now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, the, it's the silent communication that just gets to me. I'm like, uh, anyway. He lives in Philly, though. So, anyway, this this ends tragically. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, if it if it's meant to be, it'll be right. 
Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Shakes his head. <laughs> All right, Eric, what was the gayest thing you did this week? Uh, I have to break my streak. I did not see a Broadway show this week. <laughs> um, I did uh, poorly paint my nails again and smear them everywhere. What? I, I thought I had a grasp on how long I needed to wait to let them dry. And I was running late to uh, meet a friend earlier. So I just was like letting them dry. And then I was like changing into clothes and then just like smeared my nails everywhere. And they all looked so bad. And so I'm currently like trying to redo them because I'm, I guess this is a gay thing that I'm going to do. I'm going to San Francisco tomorrow. So what? Like, oh, that's amazing. Trying, trying to get my nails done before I go. For what? Just a trip? Uh, it's one of my best friend's birthdays. So he's going to be messy. <laughs> <laughs> I, we'll see. <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to um, label it as messy yet, but I'm. We'll see what happens. <laughs> you have to compare it to looking and see how what you think looking compares to San Francisco. Okay, I will. We'll do a looking part two, and then I will <laughs> really go ham. Let's see the nails. Let's see the nails. I can't. I'm not showing them because I am also <laughs> in the process of like removing them and redoing them. <laughs> no one can see. Okay, well, I'm going to show the one nail that I'm really proud of. This nail <laughs> looks so good. And then, like, you'll see I'm currently in the process of, like, removing this one. This one has, like, oh, this one has, like, a random, like, smear in the middle of it. Oh, your podcast listeners, you're so lucky you can't see it. It's it's awful. <laughs> Don't hire me to paint your nails. <laughs> Uh, okay, so the gayest thing I did this week uh, is actually really cool. So I work at Microsoft and we have like employee resource groups and we have one called Gleam uh, and that's like the gay uh, employee resource group and there was a... It's like it was like a summit, but it's all virtual. But I've like been slowly meeting different gay men at Microsoft one way or another. One I met during one of the new grad events. Uh, one I met outside of a club. <laughs> oh, and the third I met playing gay soccer. I've been playing uh, on like a gay soccer league every Sunday, which has been really awesome. And so I reached out to them first. I was like, hey, let's get a, like let's get together to watch some of these virtual events. And then we were able to rope some other people in. And then we all went into this conference room at Microsoft. And it was just, it was really cool. Like I don't see a lot of gay people in tech usually just in my workplace. I'm usually like the only gay person in the room. So whenever I have a chance to do one of these things where I get to be surrounded by people who are also in my field and also gay, it's really cool and it's really empowering. And then we listened to a talk by Ryan O'Connell, who is the writer and star of Special on Netflix. And he was incredible. Like, I love he... that show. I love that show. Oh, nice. Yeah, he's so he was so funny. And like he was answering a lot of the uh, I can't I'm not supposed to talk about like too much about what he said, but I think it's safe to say that like the the topic of discussion was very similar to what we discuss on this podcast about like representation in media and why that matters and uh, every time he spoke i was like yes go off like it was amazing i will be inviting him on the pod one way or another as you should yeah all right so let's talk about red white and royal blue Actually, for this book specifically, I'm really curious, how did you guys find out about the book? Um, so I guess I'll start because I probably had the earliest exposure. So I'm, you know, I'm a part of writer Twitter, especially queer writer Twitter. Mm. And so I knew about it before it came out, <laughs> before it was cool. Um, so I heard about it and I like, I really love the premise. I love romance when it's like this kind of, not high concept, but, you know, just like this fantastical thing. And I saw that the protagonist was bisexual and Mexican. And I'm like, I look like, I'm like, I need this book now, but I will 
um, and then I pre-ordered it uh, because Casey McQuiston, the author, they were doing um, an event in LA the same time that I was in LA because that's where I'm from, and I knew they were doing this event at a bookstore called The Ripped Bodice, and they sell a lot of like romance books. And uh, I went and I missed the entire event, but I got there right at the end for the signing. And I went up and I'm like, hi, like, I'm Mexican. I'm bi. Like, this means a lot to me. I'm a writer. And then they were just like so sweet and supportive. And then we followed each other on social media. Uh, and then I read the book. Um, so that's that's how I found out about it. That's amazing. That's so cool that you've met the author of this book. Oh, my God. I, I didn't know that before I got on here. So, like, and I should have told you at some point, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really cool. I, I mean, I just, I knew from the instant I heard you speak, I was like, oh, he'd be a good guest for this podcast. And clearly I'm right. That's so wild. Also, we like to joke that 20% of this podcast is bragging about famous people we've encountered. So you're fitting right in. <laughs> Eric, how'd you hear about the book? Um, I think I, I think I was following Adam Silvera on Instagram and they promoted it. And I, it wasn't a situation of like pre-ordering. I just like went to the bookstore the day it was available and just like bought it. And I, I thought I felt very cool being like, I read this before everyone else, but Aaron, you totally have me beats. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're very cool. That's 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 amazing. Like you read it before people even realized it was good. I I think I yeah I think I like heard about it from Adam Silver and then also like it was being promoted to me on Goodreads and so I just read it and it was still at like a very low like rating or like low like in terms of like how many people had rated it. So it's crazy to see just how like much it has gained so much traction over the past like uh, three years now. Yeah, I heard about this book very recently. Uh, it was five months ago. I was in Seattle. I was at a gay beach and someone was reading a book and I think I was flirting with him. I was like, oh, hey, what book are you reading? You know, and he was telling me, I don't remember the book, but he was like, it's kind of similar to Red, White and Royal Blue, although this one's a little more niche. I think Red, White and Royal Blue is a lot more commonly read. And I had never heard of the book. But whenever I hear that one, I'm like, oh, a book that a lot of people are reading i i always love popular books because like they're i feel like it takes a lot for a book to get popular just because there's so many and and it's so hard to commit to a book so if there is one that everyone's reading i it's like almost guaranteed to be really really great so i read it and i was i finished reading it last night <laughs> uh, it's amazing i'm honestly i'm honestly due for a reread of it because I just in talking about it now, I'm forgetting like it is a very comfort, like fluffy book that I'm like, oh, I want to be back in that world again. I kind of miss that. I actually, it's well, another reason I'm perfect for this podcast, this episode <laughs> specifically, uh, is because I actually did reread it recently. Uh, oh my God. Nice. Being, I not until 2022, I had never read an audiobook. Um, it's just something that really, I just always read books, you know, visually, but, you know, we sold we sold audiobook rights for my book and I, I realized like I have never heard an audiobook before. So I actually started with More Happy Than Not by Adam Silvera. I heard, you know, I, I listened to that and it's one of those books that I've read a lot of times, so it was easy to sort of you know, if I zoned out a little bit, I could come back and you know, it's it's kinda of hard for me to focus on audiobooks. But anyway, then I read uh, Red, White, and Royal Blue, and it's the same narrator, which I thought was really cool. It's like this, you know, he's he's a Latino guy, I'm assuming, because of his name. But he read More Happy Than Not, and then he read Red, White, and Royal Blue. And it was great to sort of hear it because, you know, it's a funny book, and there's a lot of great dialogue. So it's it's just nice for, for it to please my ears um, instead of my eyes for once. <laughs> 
That's funny. For our listeners who don't have Goodreads or haven't looked at the reviews, how is this this book rated? I feel like this book is so popular on TikTok. Like I've seen so much of so many TikToks of people really going off about it and really enjoying it. And it's just like whether or not people like it or dislike it, it's still being really talked about, like regardless. I guess generally a positive review is the impression I'm getting. Yeah, so generally uh, really positive, which I feel like is pretty rare for a queer piece of media to have like that much overwhelmingly positive reviews, especially like considering the last ones we reviewed, even though we really liked them, the reviews were, were pretty terrible. So that's really cool that this is getting such a positive general review. And then I think it's very interesting and important to note that in the back of the book, they write that they started writing the book, it sounds like before the election of Hillary Trump, but the election happened and the results came out while they were still working on the book. And they were like, oh, because they were expecting the election to go the other way. So it's really interesting seeing how like there's that clearly informs the writing, um, just that that election was happening. And it's very interesting to see how that plays into everything. Yeah. And also this, so that means this would have been written while Obama was still in office. And I feel like we were generally, this is also gay marriage got legalized in 2015. And this book was written in 2016. So this is like fresh off of that major win. And I think we all kind of felt like we are out of the woods in terms of like, uh, not for trans rights, but for gay rights specifically, it seemed like, okay, we've made just monumental progress, and it's only going to get better from here. And so it is interesting. I feel like we've become a little disillusioned in the past few years, because it almost feels like we've regressed with, I mean, gosh, we haven't talked about this on the podcast yet, but the whole Florida don't say gay bill is just wild and for anyone listening in the podcast in the way future who doesn't know about this the uh yeah florida is trying to ban schools mentioning the word gay before a certain age in schools they want it to just be kept a complete secret which as someone who experienced that like that's basically what my educational experience was it was never brought up that was that was terrible it makes it so much more confusing and also by nature if something is never introduced if you start experiencing it you think it's bad it's or not even that the first time I heard about being about the concept of gay, I was already in second grade and I'd never heard about it before. And so instinctively, I thought it was wrong, weird, and gross. Not even having anyone say that about it, but just like have if you only are ex- exposed to one thing and one thing is to you is normal, and then you someone tells you about something that's outside of your normal, you're going to think it's wrong. So <laughs> obviously, we're all on the same page here. But that bill is so terrible. I just wanted to give a personal anecdote as to why, um, and that's fascinating. And then, gosh. What's the other like major one that's happening right now? Well, Texas has been banning queer books kind of left and right in you know libraries, especially school libraries. Wait, I haven't heard about this. Really? Uh, well, I mean, I guess yeah, no, I I guess I have because friends of mine, author friends, queer author friends, will post pictures. You know, there are all these carts of books, especially young adult, especially queer, and by people of color. And, you know, it's just all these books that are being flagged to sort of, you know, to be reviewed to see if they're appropriate or not. And so it's just like, I'm like, I look at this shelf and it, it looks like my shelf, you know, it looks like my, my young adult shelf is all the queer YA and, and yeah, and that's happening where I, where I live. It's happening again in, in schools and stuff. And it just, I mean, obviously it's, it's heartbreaking and I just keep thinking like, you know, they're kids. So there isn't really a way to sort of, I mean, people are trying to come up with ways, but there isn't a way to sort of just be like to reach the kids because they're under, you know, the guidance of, of their parents and stuff. So like, I, yeah, it's 
disheartening. Not to, not to sort of add to the train of horrible legislation. <laughs> no, no, that, that's what I want to do. That's you're helping build the thesis, please. But I, when you were talking about Florida, I thought you were talking about the one where it was schools in Florida. If a child confides in a teacher that they are gay, the teacher has like six weeks to notify the parents of the child. Oh my god! That, like, yeah, they have come out. Which when I heard that one, I was horrified because there is such a safety to school and school is like such a can be like school can be such a scary place for a teen but can also be like they have their communities there where especially with teachers like teachers we all have our like freshmen or Aaron I know we have our freshmen sophomore year English teachers that we love and adore with our entire being um, (laughs) who saw us for who we are (laughs) and so just to see that like to see that as something that's being considered i'm not i'm not i'm unsure about like where it is in the legislation process but that's just a horrifying thing to me oh my god yeah just like any dictation that controls when you come out of the closet is like that's not your business that's oh god that just makes my skin crawl with anger similar to the don't say gay thing it's um in texas there's you know talk of if if a child is transitioning if a child is trans um, the parents could be charged with child endangerment or something like that. Oh my god, yes. Everyone hates that governor for good reason. Is it Abbott? Yeah, I agree. Abbott. Abbott, right? All like, he got I, us was... I just moved to Texas, so I like I, I, I obviously hate him, but I don't have that familiarity with him. He got uh, Texas to go margaritas during the pandemic, and we uh, people were happy for a second for that. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I think we're generally upset with him. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, all that is to say, that we were really hopeful in that time that oh LGBT rights are advancing and people are getting it and so then to be here seven years later and just have this slew of all this anti-LGBT laws come out and or being pushed for is just so disheartening and it's clear that we still have a battle to fight so that's just to note that this book was somewhat written in the peak of that optimism which is really interesting to keep in mind all right shall we (laughs) read the book (laughs) Yes, let's very quickly read this 400-page book. Let's read the book! Tune in next episode for part two. 